Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Freedom may well be mankind's most highly cherished value. Recently, a full-page advertisement in a prominent magazine read, Freedom, we expect it. Freedom to choose the way we live. Freedom to choose the way we meet the challenges of life. Freedom to risk, fail, and succeed. No resource is more precious than freedom. The problem is that modern man mistakes true freedom for doing whatever I want to do. The mantra of modern society is self-satisfaction. There is the simplistic belief that one can and should be whatever one wishes to be, as long as one doesn't harm someone else. The goal is satisfaction defined entirely by the self. But freedom is not on constrained self-choosing. This is the problem with popular social programs and political movements which claim as a right that which conforms to my view of the self, whatever this happens to be. What is true freedom? Is it really to do whatever I desire? Is freedom the removal of all constraints to unbridled self-expression? The Bible teaches that true freedom is to live as God created us to live, according to his plan and following his loving commandments. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Our text today is Romans chapter 8. One commentator says, In the whole of Scripture, the brightest collection of jewels is the epistle to the Romans. But chapter 8 is the brightest gem in the whole cluster. 
In this marvelous passage, St. Paul addresses the subject of true freedom, which is spiritual, inward freedom. For a man can be free in his body and yet deeply bound up in his soul. Listening friend, are you free today? Are you living at peace with God and at peace with those around you? You may not live in a country that has outward peace, but you can still enjoy inward spiritual peace with God, with yourself, and with others. The teaching of Romans chapter 8 is that followers of Jesus Christ have been free from the power of sin through the provision of Jesus Christ for the purpose of God. The key to this whole chapter is the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. This chapter has been called Life in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is mentioned 20 times in 39 verses. Notice the words of verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Because of the death of Jesus Christ for you, you are not only cleared of the guilt of your sin, but freed from sin's bondage and power. A paraphrase of verse 1 is, There is now no reason why those who are in Christ Jesus should go on doing jail time as though they had never been pardoned and liberated from the prison house of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth not only to forgive sin, but to save those who trust in him from sin. This is the teaching of Romans chapter 6. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. One commentator says the cross of Christ by the same mighty and decisive stroke whereby it moved the curse of sin away from us also surely moves away the power and love of sin from over us. Charles Wesley sums up the teaching of this verse in his beautiful hymn. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed with righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be? that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Listening friend, do you revel in the rich spiritual inheritance Jesus Christ has provided for you? The darkness of sin has been banished. The defilement of sin has been cleansed. The disease of sin has been healed. The debt of sin has been paid. The dominion of sin has been abolished. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is real, true spiritual freedom. The truth is that the power of Jesus Christ changes lives. There is a group of former LGBTQ men and women who are taking the message of the gospel to the streets of major cities to tell people that change is possible. They tell everyone they meet, Jesus can free you from the bondage of homosexuality and lesbianism. There are powerful demonic forces operating at the highest levels of government 
telling people that homosexuality is a genetic determination and there is nothing you can do about it but to celebrate it. This is a lie from the devil. Homosexuality and lesbianism are not a disease. They are the result of abuse, woundedness, bad parenting, loneliness, and a host of other reasons. But the good news is that people can stop this twisted behavior by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is freedom in Christ from every sin if we will simply come to the Savior and be made whole. So, we have learned that those who follow and love the Lord Jesus Christ have been free from the power of sin. How? We are set free from the power of sin by the provision of Jesus Christ. Verse 2 of our passage says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. One paraphrase of this passage reads, The Spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. It is the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Holy Trinity, that frees us from the power of sin. We are able to defeat the power of sin if we live out our daily lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ was walking along the road in Palestine with his disciples when he noticed a vine growing on the side of the road. Pointing to the vine, he called his disciples around him and said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Alexander McLaren, 1826-1910, was a renowned Scottish minister. He says, To abide in Christ means to have a temper of mind very far away from the bustling distractions of modern Christianity. Get away from the jangling of politics and the empty controversies and distractions of daily life. Keep a little cell within your heart, where in silence you hold communion with the Master. Abide in me, and I in you. The best way to secure Christian conduct is to cultivate communion with Christ. Get more the sap of Christ into the branch, and there will be more fruit. Have more of the life of Christ in the soul, and the conduct and the speech will become more Christ-like. First of all, be, then do. First of all, receive, and then give out. First of all, draw near to Christ, and then there will be fruit to his praise. The scriptures speak of our union with Christ using the analogy of the head and the body, the foundation and the building. Just as the body is useless without the head and the building unsupported without a proper foundation, so the follower of the Lord Jesus is powerless without a vital, intimate union with Christ. When I was a young boy, we used to sing a song. How can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely? After all, he's done for me. 
I sang that song hundreds of times growing up in Sunday school. But we need to clarify that simple tune with the understanding that I can't give Christ my best and I can't live for him unless I abide in him and live in him that he may live his life through me. St. Paul's whole argument in Romans chapter 6 can be summed up in five simple statements. Christ died for us. Christ died for me. Christ died on my behalf as my substitute. I therefore died and rose from the grave with him. I may now claim this freedom from sin and his resurrection life in my daily experience. Just as the branch receives life from the vine and the building receives strength from its foundation, so Christ provides his followers the overcoming power of the Holy Spirit within. St. Paul uses the word law of the Spirit in verse 2. Just as the ruling power of sin captivates our bodies and brings them into bondage, so the ruling power of the Holy Spirit overrides the law of sin and gives us newness of life. Christ for us on the cross is our justification. Christ within us through the Holy Spirit is our sanctification and our growth in holiness. I have never ceased to stand in wonder at the sight of a huge 747 jumbo jet. This enormous airplane has the capacity of 420 passengers. It weighs 833,000 pounds. It is 231 feet long and has a wingspan of 195 feet. How can anything so big and heavy become airborne? Because the law of aerodynamics supersedes the laws of physics and the plane lifts into the air. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes and overrides the law of sin and death. New life and freedom from the bondage of sin is the result. to exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Notice that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Life. When a person truly believes upon Jesus Christ and trusts in Him, new life flows into that person. Transformation in Christ is not a self-help program. 
It is not some new steps that we take or a remodeling job. It is a new creation in Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is filled with descriptions of this new life in Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ are new creatures, a new man born from above, changed from within. We obey a new commandment. We wait for a new heavens and a new earth. We love under a new covenant, and we walk in a new and living way. Everything about the Christian life is new. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are you living today in the newness of vital union with Jesus Christ? Are you abiding in him and allowing him to express his life through you? We have been set free from the power of sin through the provision of Christ for the purpose of God. What is the purpose for which Christ came into the world? That human beings like you and me might partake of God's divine nature and become like him, holy and loving. This is what Romans 8, 3, and 4 means. Look at the text. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Why was the Old Testament law given? That those who seek to follow God might become holy. This is what St. Paul means by the phrase, the righteous requirement of the law. God expects and demands nothing less than holiness. Jesus came and died to set men free from sin and make them holy. John McCarthy was a fellow missionary and friend of Hudson Taylor, the founder of the China Inland Mission, which has become Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Hudson Taylor had spent some weeks struggling to understand how to be holy and loving, how to be truly set free from sin to love and serve God. John McCarthy wrote a letter to Taylor saying, I do wish I could have a talk with you about the way of holiness, for I have come to see that striving, hoping, and longing is not the path. The Lord Jesus received is holiness begun. The Lord Jesus cherished is holiness advancing. The Lord Jesus counted upon as never absent would be holiness complete. He is most holy who has most of Christ within. Thomas Brooks, 1608-1680, was a famous New England preacher. He writes, It is not absolutely necessary that you should be great or rich in this world, but it is absolutely necessary that you be holy. It is not absolutely necessary that you should enjoy health, friends, and life, but it is absolutely necessary that you should be holy. A man may see the Lord without being prosperous, but he can never see the Lord except he be holy. 
Oswald Chambers, 1874 to 1917, was a deeply spiritual man. He says, Do I believe that I need to be holy? Do I believe God can come into me and make me holy? God has one destined end for mankind. It is holiness. His one aim is the production of saints. God is not an eternal blessing machine for men. He did not come to save men out of pity. He came to save men because he had created them to be holy. What a profound statement. Do we agree with God's purpose for our lives? Jesus Christ came not to make us happy, wealthy, or successful. He came to make us holy. This is what Hebrews 12:14 means when it says, Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. God, in sending his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world, passed the death sentence on indwelling sin. All that the law required in the Old Testament is now realized in those whose lives are controlled by the Holy Spirit. When we receive God's gift of life in Christ, we find that God comes to act with us as we rely upon Him. As C.S. Lewis put it, faith is not a matter of hearing what Christ said long ago and trying to carry it out. Rather, the real Son of God is at your side and beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He is beginning to inject his kind of life and thought into you, beginning to turn the tin soldier into a live man. The part of you that does not like this process is the part that is still tin. The change from the tin soldier to the live man means that all our old sins and wickedness, all our attempts to fulfill the observances of the law are over. We now have the joy of real union and communion of friendship with God. Listen. The Christian is called to become, to enter into a newness of life that is another's, that is Christ's. He is to discover himself, the self of his current existence, precisely so that he can work to change it into a life not defined by his own will, but defined and made real by another, by God himself. The life in Christ is a life of transformation into a new man. We can't be free from the power of sin to become holy and loving until we hear Jesus calling to us and answer the call. Listening friend, will you answer the call of Jesus to you today? He says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that he will free you from the power and bondage of sin so that you can become holy and loving sons and daughters of God. Will you let him right now? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen.
You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Goddet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at goddetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.